0: Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk-takers, the game-changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely.
1: From KQED.
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Some young voters who recently turned 18 will be casting their ballot for the first time this November but some of those voters were not able to vote in the primary election because they were not of age yet. Proposition 18 aims to change that. The initiative could open up the polls for more than 200,000 California voters who are 17 at the time of the primaries but turn 18 by the general election. Let's start with an explainer from our friends at KQED's Bay Curious podcast. And here's KQED's politics reporter, Guy Marzarati, talking with Bay Curious host, Olivia Allen Price.
0: This is really aimed at the voters who turn 18 in the window between the primary and the general election, it would let them kind of get a head start in voting and let them vote in the primary.
1: Now, some people may think, you know, it's only the primary. It's not a huge deal. You still get to vote in the general. Why does it even matter that, you know, young people would be voting in primaries?
0: Well, proponents really make two arguments, and the first is a question of fairness. They say it's only fair that voters in the general election also get to have a voice in the primary. Ella Yatsaki of San Francisco was a freshman in college, but for the past few years, she's been advocating for this change for exactly that reason.
1: I was cheated out on this election cycle, and thousands of others were cheated out. To not be able to vote in the 2020 primary, such an exciting primary, I should add, was really disappointing. And I'm not the only one. Think about all the people you know who are
0: born between, like, March and November. And then the second argument is really around habit building. So supporters say that voting is a habit. The more you do it, the more you're likely to do it in the future. And that if you let 17-year-olds vote in the primary when they're still in high school, they're getting civics education, that education could be enriched by actually participating in the electoral process. It's building a habit for the future and might make these young Californians habitual voters.
1: Okay. And there are definitely some people who are not excited about the prospect of 17-year-olds voting at all. Uh, Let's hear a little bit about what they argue.
0: Right. So when this was put on the ballot by the state legislature, mostly all Democrats supported it, mostly all Republicans opposed it. And- Anti-tax groups are also against this measure. They say 17-year-olds, most of them are still in high school, and they are captive audiences in classrooms who could be swayed by teachers, especially on school bonds and school taxes. They say basically they might spend a whole day only hearing one side of a campaign. And while there's 18 states and the District of Columbia that allow this change as well, the opponents of Prop 18 say California is different because We directly vote on taxes, school bonds, parcel taxes. And they say that these 17-year-olds are not to be trusted in those votes. Here's Susan Shelley with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association.
3: So if 17-year-olds are seeing this in high school, and then they're voting in a primary on school taxes, school bonds, they can be influenced to vote for these taxes without seeing the full argument or having the knowledge of the previous tax increases That may have been passed for the same purpose.
1: Another argument that I read was because our primaries have moved so early, some of these voters will actually be, I mean, closer to 16 than they are to 18 when they would be voting in these primaries.
0: Yeah, and I think there's that's another argument made on the no side, really about brain development that, you know, we've set this legal age at 18 and we shouldn't go Any farther below it. I haven't seen a whole lot of evidence to suggest that 17 year olds are somehow less likely to make these decisions than 18 year olds. There are 17 year olds who pay taxes after all. But that's definitely something you're hearing from the no campaign.
1: Now, it's not often that we actually see propositions that benefit teenage Californians. How did this one make it on the ballot in the first place?
0: This was put on the ballot by the state legislature, a two-thirds vote, and it was largely Democrats who backed it. Um, There was only one Democrat who voted against it in the legislature, only two Republicans who ended up supporting it.
1: Okay, so even though the legislature has already passed this as law, because it's basically going to be an amendment to the
0: state constitution, they have to get a public approval for it. That's right. And you might be thinking, wait, doesn't the Constitution of the United States kind of set the voting age? And it really only addresses the fact that you can't deny the right to vote to citizens who are 18. It really doesn't speak to allowing younger citizens to cast ballots, which is why you've seen a number of states move in this direction and allow 17-year-olds to participate in the primary, at least if they turn 18 by the general election.
1: Is there any idea on what kind of impact this will actually have on voter turnout?
0: Well, we have some idea, and that's because of a study by the Public Policy Institute of California, which took a look at what they called the so called Prop 18 voters. And there were 200,000 such Californians in this boat in the last couple elections. These voters are potentially a significant block, especially for primary elections, where votes can often be very close, decided by a few thousand, a few hundred votes even. But another key finding that the study found was that the participation of these group of voters is really far from being guaranteed. Experts in civic engagement say that passing this measure alone is not going to be enough to boost turnout rates among young voters. I talked, with Veronica Tariquez about this. She's a sociology professor at UC Santa Cruz.
4: I think that Proposition 18, if it passes, will be very successful at in increasing turnout if it is coupled with civics education at the secondary school level. It creates an opportunity for uh, secondary school educators to really concentrate more time and resources to developing curriculum that excites young people about voting.
0: So even folks who are backing this change say it's not a panacea or won't solve all the issues around voting rates and participation of young voters.
2: That was KQED Politics and Government, Guy Marzorati on KQED's Bay Curious podcast. And he joins us now. And welcome, Guy. Great to be here. Good to have you. Uh, I guess the place I'd like to begin is with that last uh, mention of the Public Policy Institute study, which doesn't necessarily bode greater turnout or a bigger number of voters. And yet uh, I was curious about the 18 other states and the District of Columbia, which actually have this voting pattern that's on the ballot.
0: That's right. And some going back decades, Ohio uh, made this change in the early 80s. In recent years, we've seen a lot more states adopt this change of allowing 17-year-olds to vote in the primary if they turn 18 by the general election. Nearby states, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah recently made the change. And then now increasingly, we're seeing these kinds of ballot measures lowering the voting age uh, trickle down to the local level. Here in the Bay Area, we have measures in San Francisco and Oakland on the ballot this November that deal with the voting age. So it's definitely something that's picked up, Steve, in the last few years.
2: Other countries, uh, research supposedly indicates there's more involvement in politics and more engagement uh, when they are allowed to vote earlier, that they become more habitual voters. That's one of the arguments that we're gonna hear probably from the pro side here. Your thoughts?
0: That is, that, that's definitely an argument you're gonna hear from the pro side to make this kind of a habit. And the earlier you can get voters involved, uh, younger voters involved in the electoral process and voting, the more likely they are to become lifetime voters. And the thought here is also that many 17 year olds are in high school. If you're surrounding them with a robust civics education, maybe their, their participation is enriched in that way. So they're you know, learning about what they're voting on at the same time that they're actually able to cast a real ballot and not some kind of you know, sample election in class. That's the hope anyway, but as you heard, uh, even you know, some supporters of this measure, people who think it's a good idea you work in the space, space of youth voting say, it's not enough alone just to pass this, you really have to pair it um, with programs and uh, curriculum that gets young people engaged.
2: And as was pointed out uh, actually by you and what we just heard, there are real partisan lines here. There really is a division between Democrats and Republicans on this.
0: That's right. There was only two Republican votes uh, in in the legislature to put this on the ballot. Um, excuse me, three Republican votes to put this on the ballot. Only one Democrat voted against it. Um, so largely along partisan lines. And you've seen that with a lot of uh, voting-related measures that have come up in the legislature, another ballot measure, uh put on the ballot by the legislature related to parolee voting was also a pretty partisan uh vote um and you've seen you know the largest opposition to this come from conservative tax groups uh who have lined up in opposition
2: Well, we have someone from the Conservative Tax Group. In fact, let me tell you who else is joining us. We want to hear from both sides. And Susan Shelley is with us. You heard her in that piece that we played. She's a spokesperson for the No Proposition 18 campaign, vice president of communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, and a columnist for the Southern California News Group. Welcome to the program, Susan Shelley.
3: Thank you very much. Nice to be with you.
2: Nice to have you with us. We also have Mary Creasman with us. She is CEO of the California League of Conservation Voters, the Yes on Prop 18 campaign. and Welcome, Mary Kreisman. Mary Kreisman. Thank you. It's great to be- okay Thank you. It's
4: great to be here.
2: Yeah, good to have you with us also. Let me begin with you, Mary Creasman, and let's begin with essentially the Secretary of State's, uh, uh, well, support of this proposition, Alex Padilla, who says that, uh, uh, it, it has to do really with the fact that young people can indeed become activists, uh, as we saw, for example, with uh, young people responding to school shootings, uh, racial injustice, global warming, all of those kinds of things. That, In other words, they're bound to be much more involved with this be- passing, and they're bound to essentially get more educated in terms of voter issues and be better citizens. Uh, how does that play out in your mind, and why is that something that you can assure people will indeed occur?
4: Yeah, Thank you. So what's really important here, and I'm not sure anybody on either side of the aisle would argue with this, is that we have a crisis of our democracy. Um, That's real. And when you look at our turnout rates, even just in March, a huge presidential primary, we had only 38 percent of eligible voters turning out in that cycle. We had about 46 percent of registered voters turning out. And the truth is, a lot of what we are experiencing right now, whether it is mass gun violence, racial injustice, um, the climate crisis that's ever getting worse, um, if we are going to have any ability to kind of think about changing these things, we really need a more participatory democracy. Um, a lot of the challenges we are feeling right now is because we do not have a participatory democracy and we have challenges with our democracy. Um, and that is really proven by the lack of turnout. I don't think, you know, those are not passing grades, right, if you were in school. And so what we're really look, looking at is where where is our failure as a country and, and in our government to break down barriers to voting? And that's what this is really about is saying, look, it is really hard to give young people the chance to vote first in election cycle when they didn't get a chance to say who would be on their ballot in November. So, for example, we're looking at a presidential this fall. They had no chance to kind of uh, weigh in based on whether they care about either party on who is going to be in their ballot, down ballot, at the top of the ballot, um, to help decide kind of who they would be able to vote on at this moment. And so really what we're saying is young people should have a chance in their first elect- election cycle to vote in the full election cycle. Um, and that's what this is about, a fair chance to vote in a full election cycle um, when you first get to vote. Understood. And, a chance- and
2: again, Mary Chrisman, the CEO of the California League of Conservation Voters, a yes on Prop 18 campaign. And Susan Shelley is also with us, looks at things from the other side, the no on Prop 18 campaign. She's vice president of communications, also for Howard Jarvis. And uh, the Taxpayers Association and Howard Jarvis uh, taxpayers have always been concerned about cost. Uh, I know you have other reasons that you oppose this constitutional amendment, but uh, the one time cost would be about 100,000, hundreds of thousands of dollars, an estimated 200,000 to a million every couple of years. Is that the major obstacle as far as you're concerned, the major concern? no
3: that's not the major concern the major concern is that there's been a consistent effort to try to pass school taxes that the voters have rejected and they keep coming back to the voters and saying no we really want this money and the voters keep saying we already gave it to you no more we saw that in prop 13 the school bond the 15 billion dollar school bond in march secretary padilla campaigned at an elementary school in long beach In southern california for that measure the secretary of state campaigned for that measure and we've seen in the legislature there was a proposal for senate constitutional amendment 5 which would have lowered the threshold for school parcel taxes from two-thirds to 55 percent to make it easier to pass them so what we're seeing here is a consistent effort to try to force school taxes through and i think that's what's behind this
2: let me go to you on that, Mary Kriesman. The argument is that uh, these are young people. They're living at home for the most part. They haven't gone off to college. Uh, they can be influenced by their parents and their teachers. And the concern is that their teachers are going to essentially try to influence them to vote for tax raises.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's kind of laughable. Um, we are the sponsors of this measure. We're an organization working on the environment and the climate crisis. Nowhere we helped get this through the legislature. At no point was there a conversation about how how this would connect to passing school bonds. That's not something my organization is working on at all. I think the point is, is, you know, if you're pushing for a measure, a ballot initiative, and there's folks on the right and the left who push for ballot initiatives, they have a fair chance to make their case to voters. And that is separate from this conversation. This conversation is about how do we make it easier for folks to vote who are eligible to vote? Um, And that is, that's what's important here. How do we create those lifelong habits? And I would just add, you know, this is a bipartisan effort. You rarely get something in the state legislature that has votes from all sides. And this absolutely did. And the reason this did, and we had a lot of support. from the right is because there are veterans who are doubling down on this issue because they feel very strongly that if you can enlist at this age, if you were paying taxes, if you were working, if you were contributing to society, you should be able to vote. Um, And so that's a really big point that if we are allowing folks at this age to enlist and to sign up, to put their lives on the line for our country, they should be able to vote in a full election cycle the year they're going to be
2: 18. Let me get Susan Shelley's response to that argument. Uh, they can indeed put their lives on the line, and that argument seems to make sense to many people. You say what about that, Susan Shelley?
3: Well, California won't let, California won't let 17-year-olds use a tanning salon, and the driver's licenses are restricted until they're older, and 17-year-olds cannot make a legal contract. There are many restrictions, and mostly they're tied to understanding the long-term consequences of your decisions which is very relevant in voting, particularly on voting for things that keep being brought back to the voters again and again. If this is the first time you've seen it, the arguments may sound different than someone who's older and saw it the last time.
2: And what about the argument though, that 17 year olds, many cases are working and paying taxes and therefore they should at least be entitled to uh, vote in primaries?
3: Well, I just don't agree with that. Uh, I just don't. The, The voting age has been 18. That's the age of adulthood and people can be very involved in politics and civics education should be very robust i totally support that kids can go in volunteering campaigns they can make phone calls they can advocate they can write letters to the editor they can be fully involved in politics but voting itself is reserved for adults
2: well mary creesman uh they can't enter into legal contracts they still need their parents uh, to sign off on a wide range of things and also uh uh, they're not. The, the argument is, in many cases, they're not holding a job. They're uh, not paying bills. They're, they're not in the real world, as it's often described. And you say what to that argument?
4: I say that they are experiencing and will experience more of the quote unquote real world than our current generation is. When we look at the future we are leaving our young people, whether it's the climate crisis, I mean, the segment right before this just talked really in depth about how devastated our state is by wildfires, extreme heat, toxic air from smoke, rolling blackouts. On top of that, we have gun violence that is creating a scenario where folks are scared to go to public places, scared what's going to happen at their schools, racial injustice that puts Black, Indigenous, um, people of color's young lives at risk. This is the reality that we have given young people. And it's a real one, and it is a burden for their future. And we are destroying what their future can look like before giving them a chance to vote, um, giving them a chance to have a say in what this looks like, and creating a voting process that works for young people. And that is part of the challenge here, is right now we are, we are presenting young people the chance to vote when their lives are in the biggest transition they've ever been, Uh, when they are moving off to school, they're getting serious jobs. Um, They are uh, transient in terms of where their address is and where the mail could have come from. Many young people have never bought a stamp in their lives. That's just not the reality they live in. And yet we are asking them to take on this really important role at a time in which they are in so much transition. All right, excuse this me, measure- we are coming
2: up on a break and I want to give out the phone number. I want to invite listeners to weigh in here. And if you have questions about Proposition 18 or... Really, if you have thoughts about it, what kind of voice should teenagers have in the political process is really the central question here. You can give us a call and let us know your thoughts. 866-733-6786 is the number for your calls. That's toll-free again, and you can join us now at that number, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us, forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about Proposition 18, part of our election coverage. Uh, KQD politics and government reporter Guy Marzorati with us and Susan Shelley of the No on 18 and Mary Kreisman of the Yes on 18 and, uh, we're going to go to your calls forthwith here. Again, I remind you, you can join us toll free at 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. Before we get to your calls and emails, I want to go back to you, Guy Marzorati. And uh, have you been talking to young people and you've been getting a sense at all from them of where they stand on this or what they'd like to see?
0: Well, yeah, certainly the campaigns that we've seen uh, on the local level have been to lower the voting age have been led uh, by young people, especially here in San Francisco. There was an effort a couple years ago in 2016 to lower the voting age to 16, Proposition F that was narrowly defeated. It's back on the ballot this year as Proposition G to lower the voting age to 16 for municipal elections. And one thing picking up on the discussion um, that I think will be interesting to watch from voters is are voters taking cues from younger Californians? That is, have the recent Uh, protests, whether it's dating back to Parkland, climate-led protests, policing, racial justice protests that we've seen being led in many cases by teenagers, is that changed at all? Is that going to change the perception of voters that maybe these younger Californians have something to offer uh, in the civic discourse and therefore deserve the right to vote earlier?
2: What do we learn, Guy, from who's backing this and who's uh, not backing it? I know Harvard Jarvis taxpayers are against it, and the Election Integrity Project, which is mainly out of San Diego, is against it. But uh, California Association of Student Consuls, uh, I think you alluded to, Governor Newsom, Secretary of State Padilla. Also, um, you've got California League of Conservation Voters and California School Board Association. What do we learn from who lines up here for and against
0: well, I don't think this is necessarily a big money campaign, and I think it's the, the ways that the supporters and opponents line up is somewhat predictable um, in you know how they're advocating for this measure. I would say, I, I mean, I do think it's interesting to see how the debate is playing out when it comes to the effect on school bonds and school elections. I think both sides uh, are really concerned uh, on how this will affect young voters who are in school. I think on the yes side, as I mentioned, there's a hope that younger voters, with, when paired with civic education, the right to vote may increase uh, civic engagement. And you heard from Susan Shelley on the no side that there is a fear, especially with these uh, school bonds and school taxes that can sometimes appear directly on primary ballots, which are lower turnout to begin with, that maybe if these younger voters are, are basically living uh, their school days in a campaign for a school bond or a parcel tax, that they might be somewhat swayed I think you're hearing even on the local level from campaigns, I mean, in Oakland, there's a measure this year, Q2, to allow younger voters to vote just on school board. I think there's a hope that this is the thing closest to these teenage voters' lives, which is how their high schools are being run, and maybe giving them a voice in just that, the design of the curriculum, the way that uh, their schools operated, might be an entry point Uh, into
2: democracy. Yeah, but the 26th Amendment, 1971, set the age at 18, and 18 is often the age when uh, considered sort of crossing the Rubicon in terms of adulthood. Uh, Plus, the trend has been somewhat higher. I'm I'm not trying to take a position here, but uh, that is higher aged. Uh, Affordable Care Act, for example, 26, right? And then you can go off on your own and not necessarily be uh, uh, beholden. Uh, There is definitely a a kind of movement there that you can graph. We're also getting a lot of responses, both pro and con. And let me just give a sampling of what we're hearing here from listeners before I go to your calls. Davey writes, the only reason they lowered the voting age from 21 to 18 was because they were drafting 18-year-olds during Vietnam. Let's raise it back to 21. And Beth writes, uh, if the laws were changed so that 16-year-olds would be deemed adults with all the consequences adulthood brings under the law, allowing them to vote would be fine. And Gregory says, why not 15 years old, 14, 10, 8? This seems totally self-serving for Democrats since they think kids will be more likely to vote Democrat. A listener tweets, I can think of nothing more disastrous than having uninformed, uneducated 17-year-olds disrupting critical voting issues. They need more time to mature and are easily manipulated by social media propaganda. California's got bigger issues than this to figure out. Dumb idea. On the other hand, here's Wendy who says, I support any measures that will increase voter turnout. And Lauren tweets, how could anyone be against Prop 18? Susan seems really off on this topic. I don't get it. Voting is a right and a duty, and if someone can vote at 18, let them be a part of the primary. Okay, let's go to our callers. John, let's begin with you. Good morning.
0: Uh, Good morning. I I think we should share the franchise
2: with 16- and Um, 17-year-olds. There are plenty of adults who have no idea what's going on in our schools. They get to vote. There are plenty of adults who don't pay taxes. They get to vote. So we... So the opponents seem to be creating this false test just for 16 and 17 year olds. Many many are very mature and they should have the opportunity uh, to vote. They're knowledgeable, uh, so I, I think this is something that that is a good idea. Uh, the League of Women Voters supports it in San Francisco. SPUR, uh, certainly a good government group, not a, not beholden to Democrats, supports it. So I think I agree with Mary that uh, uh, young people have direct. Uh, impact on on the 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 decisions have a direct impact on their daily lives Uh, many of them are very mature they should be able to vote all right i thank you for that call john and let's go right to another caller that was matt this is john john welcome john are you there all right then let me go to helen helen are you there i'm here good welcome
5: Thank you. I just wanted to say that I'm old enough to have benefited from the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18. In fact, the first election I voted in, I had just turned 21 because it passed um, too late for me to vote when I was under 21. And the arguments at the time against lowering the voting age were exactly as they are now. People aren't mature. They don't know enough. They aren't informed. And that turned out to not be correct. And I would also mention That when I was 16 and 17, I was a Republican, and I became liberal as I got older. So the assumption that young people are going to vote Democratic and be liberal is not necessarily accurate. Thank you.
2: Okay, I thank you for that. And let me go back to you uh, for a moment here, Susan Shelley, and get your response to a listener who writes... uh, your guest who doesn't want 17-year-olds voting in the primary, I'm not buying it. She's basically just another conservative trying to alienate anyone who won't vote the conservative party line. She's engaged in voter disenfranchisement, and I wish she just admitted.
3: Well, I'm not engaged in voter disenfranchisement. I think everyone should vote when they are of voting age, which is 18. And I encourage everyone to vote, no matter how they choose to vote. It's extremely important that people are engaged in the debate, engaged in reading the ballot materials, asking questions and voting. It's very important. I totally support that. The question here is whether people who are still in high school for the most part are subject to hearing a one-sided argument and whether they will provide the margin of victory, which is sometimes very narrow for school taxes and school bonds when they do not even have under state law, the authority to go to a tanning salon because the state lawmakers have questions about their judgment.
2: And let me go back to Susan Creasman, uh for a moment here. Mary Creaseman, excuse me, Mary. There's a listener named Julia who says, how many 16-year-olds have you spoken with about politics and government? There's a large difference between a 16-year-old mind and an 18-year-old mind. I'm thinking about my wonderful grandchildren as well as teens I have taught. And you do hear this argument from those who are opposed to this as a constitutional amendment that the, the the biologically the mind is not as well there doesn't seem to be in most people's minds a quantum difference between 17 and 18 but you do hear that argument that there's more maturity at 18 than there is at 17.
4: yes thank you so i want to be clear this measure is not about lowering the voting age to 16. i know san francisco has a measure like that this measure, the question around this measure is about, should folks who are going to be 18 by the November election get to vote in that full election cycle, including the primary? That is what this measure is about. And that's the question, not about 16-year-olds, about 18-year-olds the same year they're going to be able to vote in November. Should they be able to vote in the primary at the same time? Well, and actually, since you mentioned,
2: is, excuse me, I, I want to go back to Guy Marcerati for a moment because, Guy, there Maybe you could talk a little bit about Proposition G, which would in San Francisco go against this trend and allow 16 and 17 year old voters.
0: Right. So this again, this was an effort in 2016 that uh, that failed, that's back on the ballot to allow 16 year olds uh, to vote. And it would just be for local candidates and ballot measures. So 16 year olds in SF would be able to vote on uh, the Board of Supervisors local education officials, but not state propositions, state legislators, uh, and races above that. Um, and, and excuse the, me, Guy, the SF, school
2: board, they'd be able to vote in the school board as well?
0: That's right. Yeah. And they would be able to vote in the school board. Um, and, there's a, and the measure in Oakland this year, QQ, is just limited to the school district directors. Um, going back to SF, the estimate is basically that this would increase the number of registered voters by a little over 1%. Um, but again, this is uh, supporters of this feel like there's a different momentum from from four years ago when it comes to viewing teenagers as being civically engaged and, and civically involved. Um, as with all of this, me- these measures, there's just allowing and making these younger voters eligible does not mean they're going to sh- uh, show up. I mean, we've seen evidence that voters or who become newly el- eligible who turn 18 are already low turnout voters, uh, you know in the last couple elections, voters who just became eligible to vote in the primaries who turned 18, only about half of them actually registered to vote. And then fewer than half of those who registered actually turned out. So this universe of voters that we're talking about, even when it comes to uh, Proposition 18 at the state level, is a fairly small universe. And it's even smaller when you look at who already turns out and registers.
2: Okay, Marjorie Right again is KQED politics and government reporter. Our next caller is Elena from San Jose. Elena, welcome. You're on the air.
6: Uh, hi, Michael. Good morning. I just wanted to quickly indicate that I am in total agreement of allowing our youth to be able to vote during the primary elections so long as they turn 18 and eligible to vote for the general election. Uh, and two points, uh, my, the reason being is we allow them to start working at 15 and a half years old, 16, and we force them to pay taxes. So why are we not allowing them the right to be represented by government as well? That's number one. And secondly, uh, age does not necessarily equal maturity. How many 30, 40, 50 years old do we have out there that never bothered to educate themselves and vote? Uh, I'll give you an example. My daughter, the minute she turned 18 and was able to vote, she registered herself to vote, she educated herself, and she voted. Uh, When we had the vote here in California to allow gay marriage, and I am not proud to say it now, I have learned my lessons, I have learned a lot since then. But when we had that vote, my daughter and I would get into these discussions. I voted against that measure to not allow gay marriage. She voted me out, and she so in essence, we canceled each other's votes, but she stood her ground. She knew much better than I did at the time. like I said, I'm not proud of it now. I have since changed my mind about it but so just, that's just one example. So for those people that think that age equals Maturity and wisdom, that's not always the case. So All right, Elena, I thank you for it. that.
2: I'm glad you learned some wisdom as you have uh, described it to us in your narrative. Let me bring another caller on. That's Linda in San Francisco. Linda, join us.
5: Hello. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I can say it better than your last caller, but I totally agree. There, there are a lot of mature teenagers. Um, and those mature teenagers will learn about those issues that we are all voting on, and, and I believe they have the right to vote. And those teenagers who who do not learn or are not interested in those measures on the ballot for the election will not vote. I think that, you know, I'm watching my daughter write her college applications, and she's very politically minded, and I believe that she does have the right to vote. And I know I'm speaking more toward Prop G, but she does have the right to vote um, on... on um, the The things in the city that affect her, like transportation and you know school board elections, so you know i 'm like i said i 'm not sure I can say it better than your your past two callers because I think they articulated it
2: very well all right, well, thank you for the call. Good to hear you uh, i'm going to read an email here, and let me go to you on this if i uh uh may mary creesman this is a listener named cole who writes uh your guest argues that these 17 year olds would be subject to one-sided propaganda ever heard of fox news um there is a a response i'm getting here that mary that perhaps you shouldn't necessarily anticipate that that's going to be the case um and uh you pretty much outlined that position for us but i'm wondering uh to what extent you can ensure people that uh, there won't be kind of a propagandistic attempt to raise taxes, because I'm getting a lot of, uh, well, let me read another email on that. Uh, when you have one side, usually conservative, opposing everything under the sun because it might raise taxes, you slowly radicalize a bunch of people to reflexively support taxes. Letting 17-year-olds vote in primary who will turn 18 by election day has nothing to do with taxes. Would you agree with that premise? Yeah,
4: those are red herrings. And I think those are eerily reminiscent to other arguments we've heard in historic instances of um, expanding the vote. When you think about women and women's right to vote and the arguments around how women were going to be influenced by their husbands and would be weak to arguments around taxes or things like that. When we, when we think about when we expanded the vote to Black people, uh, you know, it, 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 there's this knee-jerk reaction that is very eerily similar to those arguments that I think we have to be aware of and check ourselves on. And I would also just say that 18 other states have enacted a measure like this. California I want to go back to. Uh,
2: See me. I want to go back to Susan Shelley and and get her response to another email from Richard, who writes, "Using the opposition's logic, uh, old people should be prohibited from voting when they lose their driving licenses. Young people have the most to lose from the results of elections and should have a voice." You say what to that, Susan Shelley?
3: Well, it has nothing to do with older people losing their driver's licenses because they're unable to see well enough to drive. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with why the legislature thinks that people who are younger than 18 should have restrictions on their driver's licenses, should not be able to make contracts, should not be able to use a tanning salon, and any other restrictions that they've put in place for people younger than 18. Why do they have those? The reason for having those is the same for the reason to have the voting age at 18. And Susan,
2: I wonder what you say to Kyle, uh, Kyler, who writes, the main opposing argument appears essentially that young people have bad judgment. Could you ask your opposition guest if they believe in climate change and should we act to address it? Maybe another red herring, but I think you get the sense of what you... Do you want to talk you...
3: about climate
2: change? No, I think you're trying to say uh, 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 a lot of young people are very dedicated to uh, certainly opposition to climate change. In fact, uh, we've seen them leading the way in many respects, particularly from across the pond, <laughs> Scandinavia and so forth.
3: Well, they have every right to do that. They have every right to protest, to argue, to write letters, to to be activists. They have every right, and I totally support that.
2: Okay, uh, before we go, Guy Marzorati, can you talk about KQED's new voter guide for listeners?
0: That's right. KQED's voter guide is uh, up and running. So please uh, encourage all our listeners to go check it out. KQED.org/voterguide has a list of and descriptions of state propositions and every ballot measure in the Bay Area. Um, so I hope people will take a few minutes and I hope it's helpful as you fill out your ballots.
2: And since we mentioned climate change, let me just read one more tweet from Aaron who says, in my experience, 17 year olds motivated to vote are frequently as informed as the average California voter. If not more, we should be empowering them. Young people like Greta Thunberg uh, and the Parkland activists show how their presence elevates our political discourse. We will conclude there, but let me thank our guests. Uh, Thank you, Guy Marzorati. Always good to have you with us. Thanks so much. And thank you, Susan Shelley. Good to have you with us as well. Appreciate it.
3: Thank, thank you very much.
2: And thanks to you, Mary Kriesman. Good to have you with us also. Now it's up to you, the voters, uh, to decide about Proposition Eighteen. And we will be continuing to cover various propositions and election coverage. You can certainly learn a lot from the voter guide, but also from listening to the forum program. Uh, another hour up ahead with Mina Kim. Thank you for being a part of this opening hour. And stay safe. For all of us at KQED, I'm Michael Krasny. with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe
3: wherever you get your podcasts.